Before we pray, I want to let you know, for all of you parents in the room, this morning we're going to be talking about sexual sin and pornography. It's not going to be graphic, but it will be blunt. Uh, We need to be having these conversations with our kids by the time they're in fifth grade. But if you're not ready to have that conversation with your kids this morning, you may want to slip out while I'm praying and and go ahead and uh, head out or head to a different place this morning. So uh, if you'll bow and pray with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to remember the strength of your grace and forgiveness. We praise you, Lord, that no matter how great our sin is, your grace is always greater. There is no sin that we could commit that would put us beyond your love or your forgiveness. Father, we thank you that your son, Jesus, paid the price so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life with you. And we pray this morning, Lord, as we talk about sin and as we talk about the shame that it creates for us, I pray that you would help us to remember and know your love and and understand that you love us this morning, even as much as if we had never sinned. We pray that we would walk in that truth and that light. We do pray, though, Lord, that you would convict us and challenge us and help us to walk in greater purity from this day forward. We praise you for this morning in the name of your son. Amen. All right, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 7. That's where we'll be this morning, Proverbs 7. Now, some of you may be wondering, why am I going to talk about pornography today? It is not because I like to talk about this subject. (laughs) There are about a million things I would rather talk about than this subject. We have to talk about sexual sin and we have to talk about pornography for a, a couple reasons. First of all, we have to talk about pornography because it's a major part of the book of Proverbs. If you look at the book, chapters one through chapter nine is the introduction and 25% of that introduction is about sexual sin. It's a lot of it. It's a major theme in the book. But if you've read Proverbs, you know that, that while it talks about adultery and, and fornication, it never talks about pornography. Well, a little background. In Solomon's day, there was virtually no pornography at all. It didn't exist yet. There were no movies. There were no pictures, nothing like that. So most sexual sin was through a face-to-face encounter like adultery or prostitution. But in our infinite wisdom and technological prowess, we have invented things in the last few centuries like printing presses and television and the internet and mobile phones. And the result is that now we all have access to an infinite supply of sexual sin 24 hours a day alone in our bedrooms at night. At any time, we can just tap into a world of pornographic pictures and movies and chat streams and books like Fifty Shades of Grey. They're always there just to click away at any time. I grew up in the transitional generation of pornography. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. Back in high school, you had to drive to a shady bookstore to buy pornography. No one wanted to do that. But then I came to A&M back in 1994 and I moved into Dunn Hall and Dunn had just been wired for the internet. Every room now had ethernet cables full of unlimited access to the World Wide web. So what did all these 19-year-old boys do with unlimited, unfiltered access to the internet? Well, as far as I could tell, those 19-year-old boys in 1994 in Dunhall, they used this gift of the internet for top three reasons, pornography, video games, and the distribution of illegally pirated software. So way to go A&M. That's what you're going to get when you give a bunch of 19-year-old boys unlimited, unfiltered, unaccountable access to the internet. We have to talk about pornography anytime we talk about sexual sin because in our world, this is the big one. This is where everyone's struggling because pornography is now around us at all times, in all places. Because that's the first reason we need to talk about pornography this morning. Second reason, a little more ominous. We have to talk about pornography because it is destroying us. Let me give you a few numbers to prove that. $13 billion in revenue generated just in the United States by pornography every year. That's just by pornographic companies here. That doesn't include all that's made around the world. It's a massive industry. To give you a point of reference, professional football, pretty much a religion in our country, generates only $11 billion a year in revenue. 
So much smaller than pornography. And what are they using all of that money for? Well, to produce more porn. So second number, 39 minutes. A new pornographic video is produced in the United States every 39 minutes. That does not include all the films made overseas. It does not include all of the amateur films. There's an incredible stream of pornography, always new material coming onto the internet every minute of every day. As a result, you have lots of people accessing the internet to find all of that new pornography. That's the next number for you, 20% or one out of five searches on a mobile device, a phone or an iPad are for pornography. One out of every five times that somebody is searching for something on their mobile device, they're looking for porn. And the most common word that's being used in those porn searches is teen. That ought to frighten us parents a little bit. An incredible amount of pornography that's being searched for out there. Next number for you, 11. That is the average age of a boy's first exposure to pornography in our country. So just to break those statistics down for you a little bit, a 2009 survey found that 51% of boys and 32% of girls in our country recently have seen pornography before they turned 12. Okay, so parents, if you have a junior higher, the chances are very, very good that they have already seen pornography at least once. You just have to assume they've already seen it. Next number for you, 79%. That is a percentage of men in our country, 18 to 30 years old, who are using pornography at least monthly. So at least once a month, they're purposely seeking out pornography. Same survey done back in 2014 found that 63% of men, 18 through 30 in our country, are using porn at least several times a week. So it has become a habit. They're looking at it day after day. Next number for you, 76%. That's a percentage of women in our country. 18 who are to 30 years old who are using pornography at least monthly. So purposely seeking it out for gratification. So I want you to notice how close those two percentages are. We mistakenly assume that pornography is like a men's only club. That's something men struggle with. Not anymore. Because of the sexualization of our society and especially of our young girls, now women struggle as much as men do. Okay, that's pornography out there. Outside these walls, in America in general. So let's bring it home. What about here in the church? What's going on here? Next number for you. 65% of Christian men admit to using porn at least monthly. At least once a month, they're going and accessing pornography. Next number, 15% of Christian women are using it monthly, seeking it out on a regular basis. If you do the numbers, if you just take those statistics and you apply it to this room, then if we, Grace Bible Church, are statistically representative, then 40% of this room is using pornography at least monthly. Two out of every five of us are going online to find pornography at least once a month. The other 60% are either looking at porn less frequently, still looking at it, but less frequently than that, or they know someone or love someone who is looking at pornography often. So, So they have a spouse or a kid or a parent or a friend who is looking at pornography habitually. I can guarantee you that every person in this room is affected by pornography right now. All of us are affected by it. We're either using it or we know and love someone who is. And so we must talk about porn. Here at the church, we need to know how to battle this temptation in our own lives. We need to know how to help other people battle this temptation. And we need to know how to train our children to battle this temptation because we know our kids are going to see porn soon if they haven't seen it already. And so this morning, I want to share with you some principles that will help you to resist this temptation in your life. And and I want you to know, as we start through these principles, I'm not speaking to you like a saint. I am a man like any other. I do not have a perfect track record here. But God has forgiven me for my past failures and he has trained me for future victories. And much of that training has come through the book of Proverbs, particularly chapter seven. So I wanna share with you four principles, very practical, very easy to apply in your life that will help you to resist this temptation. Take these, apply them in your own life, teach your friends how to apply these, teach your children how to apply these and it will help all to walk in purity. 
Okay, so let's jump right in. How do we resist sexual sin? Well, first principle that we learn from the book of Proverbs, first step, if you want to avoid sexual sin, you got to talk about it. Got to talk about it. Look with me, chapter seven, verse one. Solomon says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. What I want you to notice is that Solomon speaks to his son about sexual sin. He's not embarrassed about it. He's not silent about it. He's not trying to go around it. He just goes right after it. Why? Because Solomon knows his son cannot resist a sin he knows nothing about. Parents, if we refuse to talk about this stuff, to talk about sexual sin and pornography with our children, we guarantee that they're going to fall prey to it. Absolutely guarantee if you won't talk about it. A recent survey was done back in 2010 of 14 to 16 year olds. So a survey of kids around junior high, early high school found that 81% of them were looking at pornography at line, online at home. And of that same group of kids, 14 to 16 years old, 75% said that their parents had never talked to them about pornography. That is heartbreaking. Think about all those Little kids alone at home playing with something incredibly destructive simply because their parents never talked to them about it. We've got to talk about pornography with each other and with our kids, but we don't, especially here in the church. This this subject of, of pornography is something we never want to talk about because we feel embarrassed about it. We feel ashamed of this subject. Pornography feels like a taboo sin. It is okay if you tell me that you struggle with pride, but not if you struggle with pornography. Now that's a little bit ironic, isn't it? Because when Jesus showed up on earth, what sin did he really hate? Not sexual sin, pride. That's what he hated and yet we'll admit, yeah, I struggle with pride, that's no big deal. I don't feel any shame over that. But we won't tell each other that we're struggling with pornography or sexual sin. Because we in the church, we've, we've raised up sexual sins like homosexuality, pornography, fornication. We've raised them up as these taboo sins that somehow make you more shameful or more guilty than other people. And so we need to stop for a moment. We just need to make sure that we are absolutely clear on three truths. Three things we need to know. Number one, every sin is equally shameful. God does not distinguish between different levels of sin. Sin is sin to God. He's equal opportunity. He hates it all. He hates any sin that his people do because he sees the destruction that it brings into our lives. So homosexuality or pornography or fornication, they do not make you more guilty than other sins. There is no taboo sins to God. Sin is just sin. Every sin is equally shameful. Second truth. Most of us in this room have been tempted and have fallen at some point to pornography. I just want us to be honest with each other about that for a moment. Let's just, let's set aside the charade. Let's just be honest. Let's stop lying. Most of us in this room at some point have struggled with the temptation and have given in. We've all been there. Let's be honest about that instead of trying to hide our sin because we feel ashamed of it. If you hide your sin, it will own you. And that leads us to the third truth that we need to know. The only way to kill a sin is to bring it out into the light. As long as that sin stays hidden in your life, it owns you. Sin that's in the dark is invincible. You cannot defeat it until you will bring it out, until you will confess it, until you would admit it to other people. It's only when sin is brought out into the light that together with other people of God, we can kill it. You cannot kill sin that you keep in the dark. Got to bring it into the light. A few years ago, Julie and I went to Italy to visit some of our missionaries there in the city of Milan. And I love the example in their church. You see, they live in a, in a culture that is even more sexualized than ours. Porn is everywhere. And so as a church, they, they got to this point where they recognized we cannot allow this sin to become taboo so that people hide it. We just got to be open with it. So in their church, older believers just go up to younger believers and ask, have you looked at porn this week or masturbated? If so, let's talk about how you can do better. 
They're just totally open about that because they know this can't hide in the dark. We must bring it out into the light so that together we can kill it. So how do you do that? How do you bring this sin into the light so that together we can kill it? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions. Number one, become accountable. I really should take the first part of that statement off if you struggle. You all do. All of us struggle with sin. May not be this sin, but we all struggle with sin. And so all of us need accountability. We need to have one or two mature believers of the same gender that we are open and honest with. It doesn't mean you talk to everybody. You don't get up and tell the whole room that you struggle with this, but you got one or two mature believers in your life of the same gender who you're honest with. You're meeting with regularly. Every week you're talking to them. They're asking you the hard, uncomfortable questions. You're confessing your sin. They're praying for you. They're helping you to walk in purity. We all need that. Now, let's be clear. This is not your spouse. This is not a girlfriend or boyfriend. This is a close believer of the same gender who is holding you accountable. Every one of us in this room, young and old alike, need to have that kind of relationship in our lives. I have that. I meet here in town every week with two other pastors. I've done it for years. I will continue to meet with those guys to to be held accountable, to be asked these hard questions, to pray together. I will meet with them or a couple other pastors until that moment when the coroner closes my eyes and pronounces me dead. That's when I will no longer need accountability. Until that day, I must be held accountable accountable. That's the only way to have victory over sin. I have to have a place where I can bring it into the light and other believers can help me to put it to death. So every one of us, we need to be held accountable. But for some of you, you're really struggling. You're falling off into pornography. If that's the case, I would encourage you to go a little bit further and join. Come check out our Celebrate Recovery ministry here at Grace. The details are on your bulletin. If you turn over your bulletin, there's a whole paragraph on Celebrate Recovery. It's a ministry of of recovery that meets at our Southwood campus Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. We would love to have you come check it out. It's a safe place, a confidential place where people gather who are struggling with habits or hangups or addictions that they just can't get over alone. You will learn how to have victory in your life. So please come check out Celebrate Recovery. Finally, let me talk to those of you who are parents like me. What do we need to be doing with this truth? Well, we need to talk to our kids early and often about sexual sin and about pornography. Remember, by the time they're in fifth grade, they've probably seen it. They need to be ready. And so as parents, we need to walk this delicate line where we are both protecting and preparing our kids. So we do everything we can to protect them. Every mobile device in your home should be passcode locked and have parental controls. Every phone, every iPad should have that from your kid's earliest age. My son could unlock my phone and get on the internet when he was two. They are smarter than us. Every mobile device needs to be locked and have parental controls. TVs and computers need to be in public parts of their house, not back in their room. No child needs cable TV alone in their room where they could see anything. You don't know what they're going to see. You need to have those in public places. And remember the Playstations and Xboxes and Wiis. They can all get on the internet these days. So those also need to be locked down and in a public place. You need to do everything you can to protect your children from pornography. But it's not enough to just protect them because they're going to see it. Maybe at school, on the playground, with a friend, at his house. At some point, they're going to see pornography and they need to be prepared for that. And so you need to begin to talk early and often to your kids. You need to help them understand what pornography is. You need to help them understand why it's bad, why it's bad for them, why it's harmful. You need to help them to understand what they should do when they do see it, because you know they will. And then finally, and by far the most important, you want your children to understand that when they see porn, you are the safest person for them to talk to. That's essential You don't want your child to hide it. You don't want your child to go talk to a friend. You want them to come to you. So help them to know, hey, I'm gonna love you. It's not gonna be that big a deal. It's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna be angry. I'm not gonna judge you. In fact, you want your kid to know, you know they're gonna see porn. So they should come talk to you because it's not gonna surprise you at all. Of course you saw it. That's the world we live in. Let's talk about what to do with it. Okay, so you want your child to come to you. That's absolutely essential. And you cannot start too young. And that I have a friend who was 
paying bills online while her seven-year-old son was sitting in her lap. And she's just on the bank website. And an advertisement pops up. It's erotic. It's a woman in very scantily clad. And she just immediately, she says, close your eyes. And she shuts down that page. And then she says, let's talk about what just happened. He was seven. And yet she's already using that as a teaching opportunity because she knows he's going to see it soon. So we need to be helping him to be prepared, how to be ready. Now, what do you do if you just can't bring yourself to have this conversation with your kids? It's too intimidating. Well, I would encourage you, this sermon is online. I preached it a couple weeks ago at Southwood. You can have your child sit down in the safety of your house, watch the sermon. I'll walk them through this stuff. And then you can talk about it. I had a good friend who did that with his young son this week. Son watched it and then they talked about it. It's an easy way to begin to introduce your kids to this subject so that they will be prepared on that day when they see porn if they haven't seen it already. Okay, so first step to winning in this battle against sexual sin and pornography, we got to talk openly about it. We cannot let this sin hide in the dark. Got to bring it out in the light if we're going to kill it. Second step, second principle, if you want to have victory in this area of your life, you must learn to avoid the first steps. Look with me. Let's look at how this sin unfolds in this young man's life. Verse six. Solomon says, for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner. And he takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly. And I've found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey he has taken a bag of money with him at the full moon he will come home with her many persuasions she entices him with her flattering lips she seduces him suddenly he follows her I want you to notice the progression of how this man's sin unfolds first of all he takes the first step he opens the door to temptation it's late at night he goes out alone where no one will see him where no one will know and he walks in the part of town where he knows that she will live so this isn't a surprise temptation this isn't you just on an innocent website and a bad advertisement pops up that's not what's going on here he seeks it out we don't know why what's motivating him lust curiosity does he need does he just need an escape we don't know what we know is that he chooses to put himself in the path of temptation he takes the first steps This is the person who it's late at night, everybody else is in bed, and you flip on the cable TV just to see what's on. This is a person who on Google types in the name of an attractive actor or actress just to see what pictures pop up. It's a little thing. It seems innocent enough. Maybe just a tiny bit of sin. But now you've opened the door to temptation. And that leads to the second step. Now that you've opened the door, the trap is set. Temptation seizes you. That's what happens. This this man has put himself in the path of temptation and temptation grabs hold of him. This woman comes out and she is erotically dressed. She looks like a prostitute. She's beautiful. She's captivating and she seizes him. She literally, she grabs hold of him. That's how temptation works. You're flipping through cable TV. All of a sudden nudity pops up and you can't look away. It's seized hold of you. She grabs him and then she speaks to him brazenly. You listen to her words. She sounds like a man. She is coming on to him. She is strong. Her lips drip with honey, it says. She, in other words, knows exactly what to say to entice him towards sin. That's how pornography works. It's not real sex. It's marketed sex. They give you exactly what they know you want so that you can't look away. So this woman, she says exactly what this man wants to hear. You notice it's funny. She says, I have been seeking you. No, she hasn't. She's a woman of the night. She was standing on a corner looking for any old Joe who had passed by. He came, so she's all over him. She makes him feel desired and special. 
And then she talks about her couch and how her whole house is just, is just incredibly erotic and how they'll make love until morning. They won't even want to sleep. The sex will be so great. And then she seals the deal right at the end. What does she say? My husband won't come home. You won't be caught. There will be no bad consequences. You'll get away with it. She knows exactly what to say. She entices him. And then that leads to the third step. He falls suddenly, but not surprisingly. We all knew this was coming, right? From the very beginning of the story, you know this young man is headed for trouble. We knew it was coming because he took those first steps. And that leads us to the principle. When it comes to sexual sin, it is always a slippery slope. There's no one who wakes up one morning and just out of the blue decides, I would like to go have an affair today. That's not how it works. You give in to little compromises, little sins, and they grow with time. Little sins become big sins as they grow. As you head down the slope, you build momentum towards greater and greater sin. It reminds me of this mountain biking trail that I loved up in Virginia when I lived there. Beautiful trail through the woods. It ended on the top of a hill with a fork in the trail. And you could go left and you could easily, safely walk your bike down a set of stairs to the parking lot. Or you could go right and you would crest the hill onto the steepest downhill I've ever ridden. Once you're on that downhill, you cannot stop. You're either going to end up at the bottom on your bike or on the ground, bloodied and bruised. And so you made your choice at the top of the hill. Either got off at the top or you ended up at the bottom. That's how sexual sin works. Either get off at the top or you end up at the bottom. Either cut it off at the first steps or you end up at the bottom. So this is a guy who he's on his computer and he sees a news article about an attractive actress and he feels just a tiny bit of curiosity, just a tiny bit of lust. It's just a news article. How innocent is that? And so he clicks it, starts reading about her and then there's a picture of her in a swimsuit and it's really attractive and it links to her calendar shoot. And so he thinks, well, I've already seen one picture of her in a swimsuit, so I'll, I'll look at a few more. It's no big deal. And so now he's seeing her whole calendar shoot and they get racier and racier towards the end when finally it ends in a link to her Playboy spread. Well, I've seen this much, so he clicks here and then he clicks here and then he clicks here and all of a sudden he is in a ditch of pornography looking up wondering, how did I get back here? Because you took those first steps. You didn't get off the ride at the top. And so you ended up all the way down here. The only way to resist sexual sin is to learn how to avoid the first steps. You got to do whatever it takes to get off the ride at the top, to avoid taking those first steps towards sin. And so what that means very practically as you look at your life, you're going to need to think through what are the circumstances, what are the situations where I am particularly tempted. And you need to avoid those things. If you struggle on your phone, maybe you don't need to have your phone when you're going to bed at night. Maybe it needs to be charging in the kitchen. If you struggle on your computer late at night, well, maybe you don't need to check your email after 10 p.m. No one needs to hear from you after 10 p.m. So just don't go there. Or if you're struggling on cable TV, maybe you just need to never turn on the cable TV when no one else is home when you're home alone. If it's with your boyfriend or girlfriend, don't hang out with them alone in their room after 9 p.m. You don't need to do that. So you avoid situations where you're tempted. Or if you find that you're still really struggling, that pornography is just owning you, then you may need to go further and you may need to actually remove the source of sin from your life. That may just be for a limited amount of time while you heal and grow in strength, but you're going to need to do whatever it takes to keep you from falling back into that habitual sin. So if you struggle on cable TV, guess what? You don't need cable. Don't have to have it. There's nothing on cable TV that's worth pornography. So just remove cable TV. If it's on your computer, you may need to get rid of the internet or move your computer out of your bedroom into a public part of the house so you can no longer have time alone on it. Or if it's with your smartphone, which is statistically where most people are falling these days, you may need to get rid of the iPhone and get one of those old school flip phones. And when people ask you, what are you doing? You just tell them, hey, I'm going retro. You'll look cool. Or (laughs) grow out a beard and just own it. You'll be full on hipster when you pull out that flip phone. You do not need an iPhone. You got to do whatever it takes to keep from going back down this path of sin. Now, if you are married to someone who's struggling or living with someone who's struggling with pornography, I would encourage you, please be willing to sacrifice for a time your entertainment or your access to the internet if that's what it takes for them to walk in purity. I promise you it's worth the sacrifice. You got to be willing to do whatever it takes to avoid those first steps towards sin. 
third principle we learn from the book of Proverbs. If you want to avoid this path that leads to pornography, number three, you got to remember the consequences. Now, if you go and you ask our culture, our world in general, what are the consequences of looking at pornography? Most of the world is going to say nothing. This is no big deal. In fact, most movies that you watch, most TV shows that you watch, porn is a laughing matter. It's a joke. They they just joke about it because they don't think that it hurts anyone. I was watching a sitcom some years ago about a married couple with kids. It seemed really clean. It was just on regular TV at, at family hours and we're watching it. And all of a sudden, this one episode, the husband and the wife begin joking about his porn stash in the toolbox in the garage. I was shocked. He's not embarrassed about that. There's no attempt to hide that. Or You're kidding me. The wife is joking about that. Yes. Because our world assumes that pornography is no big deal. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're wondering, why are they talking about this? It's such a small thing. Who cares? If you look at pornography at alone at night, no one knows, first of all. And second, no one's hurt by it. It's just you in the bedroom. Who cares? No one knows No one gets hurt. Those are two lies that Satan has spread with incredible success. So let's talk about both of them. Take them in turn. First lie, no one knows. Is that true? Does no one know? Well, it may be that no human being knows that you looked at porn the other night, but there is someone who knows and and cares very deeply about it. Flip back one page, Proverbs chapter five. Proverbs five, verse 20. Solomon says, for why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. There is someone who knows God. He sees everything. Even those things we do in private that no one else ever knows about. God sees it all and he cares. He cares deeply about it. It tells us that God will judge that sin. So what is the penalty, the judgment from God when a person gives into the temptation to look at pornography? Well, if we look at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 8, it tells us, but for the immoral, so the person who gives into sexual temptation, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. In other words, The penalty of pornography is hell. That's true of every sin. Remember, there are no ranking of sin in God's eyes. Sin is sin and it is all equally condemnable. All sin is worthy of hell. And so let's be very clear here. God does not wink at pornography. He does not laugh at it. He does not excuse it. He hates it with utter undying hatred and he pours out his wrath upon it. That is why it is such incredibly good news that God the Father sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to take all of our sins upon himself. He put all of your sin on his back, not just the easy stuff, not just the stuff that's easy to talk about in polite company, but he put all the sin, even the shameful stuff, even the stuff you've never told anyone about. He put all of that sin on his back and he died on the cross to pay the penalty of all of it. God poured out his wrath on Jesus so that it didn't have to be poured out on you. And then Jesus rose from the dead so that God the Father could offer every one of us forgiveness and eternal life as an absolutely free gift. All you got to do is say, God, I want that. I believe your son. He died for my sin. Even pornography, he died for all of that and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven for free. That's incredibly good news. But that good news does not change the fact that God still hates porn. God hates every sin. Why? Because he sees the destruction that it causes for his people and God loves his children too much to approve of something destructive. God sees and God cares. That's the first answer to the lie. Someone does know, someone does care. But then that second lie, no one gets hurt when we look at porn. Is that true? Well, no. Actually, when we look at pornography, many people are hurt. First of all, the the sinner himself or herself, the person who looks at porn is destroyed. Look at me with me at chapter seven, starting in verse 22. 
says, suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. In the story, apparently the young man was killed for his sin. That was actually the legal penalty back then. If you were caught in adultery, which I assume he was, you were stoned to death. Now, for us, I don't think pornography is going to cost us our lives, but it will cost us our freedom. Pornography makes a slave of you. It's actually really easy to prove, not just biblically. You can prove it here, but you can prove it with science. Science is finally catching up to God's word. It's showing the destructiveness of sexual sin. So here's a 2014 study by the Max Planck Institute for Human Development and a group out of Germany. They are not Christian. They concluded because of the intense stimulation of the brain's reward system through pornography, this can bring about significant changes in the brain similar to what is seen in drug addictions. Scientists are actually putting people who are porn addicts into MRI machines and looking to see what it does to their brains. It changes their brains just like illicit drugs. Exactly the identical situation. Led Dr. Jeffrey Santanover to concur. Modern science allows us to understand that the underlying nature of an addiction to pornography is chemically nearly identical to a heroin addiction. That's what it does to you. Using pornography is like using heroin. We see exactly the same progression. A person starts with just a little bit of soft porn once in a while, occasionally looking at some nudity. But after a while, that's not enough. They need it more often and they need deeper forms of pornography. So they begin to look at hard porn and then violent porn. That's why there's such a massive subgenre within the pornographic industry for rape porn and brutal porn because simple nudity won't cut it anymore in a nation of porn addicts. Pornography is not a pet sin that you can manage. It is a lion that will eat you. It will turn you into an addict just like a heroin addict. It'll destroy your life. And so porn destroys the sinner, but that's not all. Porn destroys the sinner's family. There was a study done back in 2006 of the wives of men who were addicted to sexual sin. So they studied these women and they found that 70% of these women met most of the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. Same thing that soldiers get when they go to war. That's what women were getting because their husbands were sex addicts, were porn addicts. So men, if you want to destroy your wife, just look at porn. Easy way to do it. It's not just wives getting destroyed, it's kids too. According to one study, the majority of kids that have been exposed to porn were exposed for the first time through their dads. Dad left out a magazine. Dad failed to clear the browser history on the computer and the child sees pornography. And now that's a struggle, a memory that that child will have forever. But it doesn't just destroy the sinner and the sinner's family. It goes beyond that. It destroys people you'll never meet. Every time that a person looks at pornography, they are funding an industry that enslaves and destroys people. Now, that's easy to understand if you pay for porn. If you go and buy a pornographic magazine or video or you subscribe to a paid site, okay, yes, I'm handing over my money so that people can go make more pornography and hurt more people. Makes perfect sense. But do you realize the same exact thing is happening when you go to a free porn site? Because how do they make their money? Well, they're advertisers. They pay them based on the number of visitors. So every single time we view a free porn image or a free porn video or go to a free porn site, we are putting money into the pockets of an industry that destroys people. Here's some proof for you. The words of Tanya Burleson, a porn star formerly known as Jersey Jackson. She says of these pornographic movies that guys are punching you in the face. You get ripped. Your insides can come out of you. It is never ending. You are viewed as an object, not as a human with a spirit. People do drugs because they cannot deal with the way they're being treated. That's what this industry does to people. That's what we're funding every time we visit a free porn site. Or here's the words of a guy who profits from our visits. A producer, a man named Carlos Scalisi, the owner of 21st Century Videos. That's a nice little word play there. Here's what Carlos said. Amateurs come across better on screen. 
Our customers feel that, especially by women. You can see it. They still, still feel strong pain. What's he saying? Well, he's saying we recognize that our customers like to see women in pain. The women who are really going to be in pain are the ones who've never done porn before. So he takes our money and goes and recruits more and more new, young, vulnerable women who've never done it before. And he uses them for one, two, three movies and kicks them out and their lives are destroyed. He used them up. A lot of us read that comment and think, boy, I'd like to meet that man in a dark alley with a baseball bat and show him what I think of him. But before we vent our righteous anger, let us do justice to the fact that every time we look at a free porn image or video or go to a free porn site, we are putting money into his pocket so that he can lure more young men and women to their destruction. Satan wants you to believe that no one will know and no one will get hurt. Two of the greatest lies he has ever sold. Now, somebody does know. The most important person knows, God himself. He knows and he cares and he hates sexual sin. And lots of people are hurt, not just you, not just your family, but the world in general. People you'll never meet are destroyed by that choice. Pornography hurts everyone it touches. We need to remember that. We need to fight against this lie that the world is trying to sell us. And so what should you do? Well, very practically, I would encourage you to write out a motive list. What's a motive list? Well, just take a small sheet of paper, like business card size, or you can do it on your computer if you prefer. And what I want you to do is I want you to write out every reason you can think of, of, of why you shouldn't give in to porn. Or, or you can kind of flip the coin the other way. Write everything that will happen if you give in to this sin. What are the consequences? What are the costs? To you and to your family and to the world at large. What are the relational costs, physical costs, spiritual costs, physical costs. Everything it will cost you. You write it out. You have lots of things that it will cost if you give in to this sin. You just write that out and you fold it up and you keep it with me, with you. I, I have my motive list that I wrote 15 years ago in my wallet today. I've carried it with me every day for the last 15 years. I'm going to carry it till I die because I need to remember the world is wrong. This sin costs people dearly. I don't want to ever forget that. So you write your motive list and you keep it with you to remind you that porn destroys everyone it touches. Okay, so that's the third thing. We need to remember the consequences of this sin if we're going to do battle with it. Fourth, finally, if you want to avoid this area of sin, you need to pursue the good. If you want to resist sin, any sin in your life, it is not enough to just avoid bad stuff. You need to also pursue good stuff. Fill your life with good stuff and that will leave less room for the bad stuff. Really simple equation. You see it in this guy's story. Remember Proverbs 7, where did he go wrong? At night when he went out alone to her part of town. It it sounds like the guy had nothing better to do. No one to hang out with, no fun to have. So he just goes wandering through the city at night. If he would have just been hanging out with his friends, none of this would have happened. You see that over and over again in scripture that someone stops filling their life with good things and it leaves them vulnerable to the bad things. You see it in David. Remember King David. What did he do? He committed adultery with Bathsheba that ended up leading to murder. Well, that whole horrible progression of sin, it began with something that seemed very innocent. Second Samuel chapter 11 In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. That's Bathsheba. He didn't go to war, even though that's what God had called David to do. That was the king's job. Lead your nation when they go to war. David stayed at home. He was lazy. Stayed at home, didn't fill his life with good things, and so it left a whole lot of time for really bad things. If you want to have victory in your life over sin, you need to fill your life with with good things. Fill your life with the things that God has provided you. So here's just some ideas, not by any means an exhaustive list. If you want to resist sexual sin, I encourage you, date your spouse. Go out and have fun with your spouse. It is worth paying a babysitter. This will help insulate you and protect you from sexual sin. Go dancing, go to a movie, go to a nice restaurant, go have fun with your spouse. That will keep you from looking at people who are not your spouse. Second, go hang out with friends. 
Go build deep friendships in your life. Go have fun, play games, do stuff with your friends. Again, guy in Proverbs 7 would have never gone down that path if he would have just had one friend with him. Third, join a Bible study. Get busy filling your mind with scripture, studying God's word, soaking it up, and that will leave less space in your mind for lust and pornography. Fourth, find a place to volunteer. God has called us to to glorify him by serving people, by blessing people. Every one of us should have some kind of ministry that we're involved in. That can be here at the church, that can be in the community. Find something you can do that is a blessing to other people. That will fill your life with a positive sense of purpose that will keep you from going down a dark path. Fifth, find a hobby. That's not a minor one on the list. You see, a lot of people end up clicking on pornography because they are looking for an escape valve. Life has become stressful. They are suffering. They are anxious. And so they look for a relief, something that will just make the pain and stress go away for a moment. And so they reach for this one, porn. It's okay to reach for an escape valve. You need relief from stress and anxiety. Don't reach for this one. Find a good one over here. Find something in this world that God has given you that is morally acceptable that you can enjoy. Some hobby, some pursuit that you have fun with. That's a good thing we should all have in our lives. You don't have to be serving at the church seven nights a week to fight porn. You need to have some things in your life that you genuinely enjoy that are restful that are enjoyable. If you can have a good release valve, then you won't be tempted to reach for the pornographic one. Finally, get exercise. Get good sleep. Eat healthy. If your body is healthy, that will give you more resources for fighting against temptation. So if you want to resist sexual sin, fill your life with good things. So let's summarize these four principles from the book of Proverbs. When you face the temptation to look at at pornography to commit sexual sin it's not going to be enough to just commit to God God I promise I'm never going to do that again that's a good thing to say we probably should say that but a month from now when you're tired and you're lonely or you're angry or you're discouraged and temptation sets in your promise isn't going to count for much What you need to be doing is you need to be practicing these four things every day starting today. If you'll practice these four things every day, then when that hard day comes, when you're tired, lonely, and tempted, you will have the resources to say no. So every one of us in this room should be doing all four of these things. We need to be talking about porn and sexual sin. Not with everybody, but with one or two safe people who will hold us accountable on a regular basis. Talk openly about it, bring it out into the light so that together we can kill it. Second, we need to do whatever it takes to avoid those first steps towards porn. You need to, you need to cut out the source of temptation. You need to resist those circumstances where you're particularly vulnerable. Third, we need to remember the consequences. We need to make sure we don't fall prey to the lie that no one will know and no one will get hurt. No, they will. So write your motive list, review it often, remind yourself of how much pain and devastation comes from choosing to look at porn. Fourth, pursue good things in your life. Fill your life with positive, praiseworthy things so that there's less room, less temptation to go look at porn. Finally, for those of you who are parents, all of the things that we've covered this morning, our kids need to know. They need to know them earlier than we needed to know them. By fourth or fifth grade, they need to be prepared with this stuff. They need to have these tools ready because they're going to see pornography soon if they haven't seen it already. So you need to be preparing them. You need to sit down with them and walk them through this, help them to understand what it is, why it's bad, how to avoid it, and again, that most important of all, you are safe to come talk to when they see it. Finally, let me talk to those of you in this room who are feeling guilty, ashamed, or embarrassed at the moment. No way you can talk about this sin and there won't be some people in the room who feel guilty because you've given in recently. And so you feel ashamed, you feel regret, you feel guilt. What I want you to know right now is that God loves you today, this morning, right now, exactly as much as he would if you had never given in. Do you know that? That's what unconditional love is. Think about the definition of that word unconditional. It means without condition. 
God's love is not conditioned. It is not predicated upon anything you will do in the future or have done in the past. He loves you infinitely and that will never change. There is no sin you could possibly commit that would make God love you less than he already does. Even something as embarrassing and shameful as pornography does not change God's love for you one iota. You are a much-loved son or daughter of the King of Kings. He loves you just as much today as he did before you had fallen. He will always love you infinitely. Nothing can change that. But now with the love of God as our strong foundation, we stand on that rock. We know that his love, it's never gonna change. It's unconditional. On that rock of his love, now let us take these steps so that we can walk in purity because we wanna, we wanna love our father. We wanna bless our father and we don't wanna fall into the pain that sin produces. So many people wonder, why did God say no to all of these forms of sexual sin that seem so pleasant to us? Why? Because he knew pleasant for a moment, painful afterwards. God loves his children. He doesn't want us to feel the pain of sin. So let us now, standing firmly upon his love, let us recommit ourselves to do whatever it takes to walk in purity and holiness this week ahead. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who loves us unconditionally. We praise you that you sent your son to take all of our sin, including porn upon himself and and to pay the price of it. He died in our place and rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven. We praise you and we thank you that you have forgiven us of every sin, not just the socially acceptable sins, but every sin, even the shameful stuff that we don't want anyone to know about. You have forgiven us of all of that sin and you have forgotten it. You don't even think about those sins ever again. Thank you for the limitlessness of your love. We pray, Father, though, that as we walk through this coming week, we pray that you would help us, that you would prepare us to do battle against sexual sin. I pray that you would help each one of us to grow in victory over sin. I pray that you would help us not to fall prey to pornography. I pray for any person in this room who's, who's in the midst of this battle right now. They've been giving in in the past. I pray that you would help them to want to do better in the future. I pray that they would take whatever steps are necessary, that they would find somebody to, to hold them accountable, that they would check out Celebrate Recovery, that they would cut out the source of temptation in their lives, that they would begin to pursue good things things I pray help them Lord release them from slavery to this sin I pray for for all of us Lord that we would walk with you in truth that we would encourage one another that we would be instruments of grace and of love I pray father that you would make us more like your perfect son Jesus Christ in whose name we pray amen God bless you guys walk with the Lord in purity this week